0: All right, well today um, for those of you who were out last week uh, or maybe missed or maybe you're new or or just joining us uh, maybe somebody invited you a friend or a family member. I know in the last several weeks we've had people from around the country and even around the world uh, stop in and check in check out New Denver. We're especially glad that you're here today and we're in this series called Common Practices. Um, don't worry, if you missed last week, uh, we just got started. Uh, we're only one weekend. You can always go back to our website as always. Um, we're actually posting the video from these Zoom gatherings, uh, or you can listen to our podcast as you always have. However you get your podcast, just search for New Denver and you'll find us. So this series that we're doing called, the Common, called Common Practices was actually inspired by a book that we read together as a staff earlier this year called The Common Rule. The book was written by a guy named Justin Early, and it's a book about pursuing a set of shared habits or practices together with others in a community. And to be fair, Justin's not a pastor or uh, he, uh, he doesn't work for a church, he's actually a lawyer. I don't know if that gives him credibility or if it takes it away, but he was a missionary for a while in China and came back and went to law school and, and um, started a career in law and just felt like his, his life hit a wall. And so he, he began looking for ways to create some sort of framework or structure um, for his life that would that would help protect him from the things that had crept in and that and were beginning to steal life from him. And the, the name of the book, The Common Rule, it actually comes from the Greek word. That word rule comes from the Greek word for a trellis. Uh, it's a reference to the daily practices that religious orders have, have used in intentional communities like monasteries for centuries. And these practices and, or habits, they form a, a kind of a trellis, like a framework on which life can grow. Now, to be fair, I know that none of us are gonna go out and quit our jobs uh, to go live in a monastery, Uh, but we can still learn a lot from the habits and the practices of these intentional communities. Uh, We can learn what it looks like to build a trellis of habits and practices on which our life can grow. And I think that that is especially important for us right now. You see, as Norton pointed out last week, We all have habits, we all have routines, things that govern our life, probably way more than we even think. Uh, Cognitive psychologists who study habits and patterns of human behavior say that as much as 40 to 95% of all human behavior is actually habit. So so even if we're conservative of that, probably half of your life is habitual it's just things that you do without even thinking about it that's all that a habit is it's something that that you do over and over so much that you don't have to have to dedicate time thinking about doing it anymore you just do it at least you did up until about a month ago and then suddenly our whole lives got turned upside down didn't they a lot of our daily habits and routines got totally screwed up by the rona by the the, the coronavirus, the pandemic. I mean, when we wake up in the morning is different. The time, the way we wake up, what we have to do in the morning is different. Commuting to work and school, totally gone, that's different. Going to the gym to work out, how and where we eat our meals. Our recreation is different. All those things that we just took for granted the things that we did without even thinking about it, skiing, camping, uh, going to the movies or going to sporting events, all those got upended. So many of the things that we filled our everyday lives with were taken away. And we've become painfully aware of their absence. But here's the thing. My guess is, even though your habits and routines have changed, you're beginning to adapt. I'm beginning to adapt. A new normal is forming. And yeah, it's early. I mean, it's only been going for a little over a month now. And, and, and we all hate it and we miss the old normal, but we're adapting. We're changing every day in ways that we might notice, but in a lot of ways that we definitely don't, we're transforming into a different way of living. That, that's the way that God created us to be as human beings. One of the amazing things about humans is just how adaptable we are. And that ad- adaptation is going to happen whether we're conscious of it, whether we're aware of it or not. Here's the really good news, that within this disruption of all of our habits of our our regular life of that old normal, there's an opportunity in the middle of this calamity. We can intentionally shape how we adapt. How? Through our daily habits and practices. By being intentional about how we shape those and create those, we can build a framework, a, a, a kind of trellis a rule, a set of practices and habits that allow us to allow life to grow. And this virus and our response to it, it's, it's interrupted all of our habits and our routines. And even though that there are new f- habits that are forming without you even thinking of, about them, they're not set. They're not totally set yet. You might say that, that, the, that, the, that the, the cement is still wet You know, they're still moldable. You're still in this process where things have been disrupted and your life is moldable. We have an opportunity to make some choices and decisions now that are gonna impact what our new normal looks like as we go forward. As the stay at home order ends and we begin to enter into a new phase of this pandemic, it seems clear we're not going back to that old normal anytime soon. In a lot of ways, that's, that's really disappointing. But beyond the disappointment, I think that there's a hidden gift and an opportunity to shape our lives in some positive ways right now so that as we make our slow journey back to all of those things that the virus has taken away from us, we're simultaneously growing in ways that one day we might look back and actually appreciate the things that this time gave to us. And I believe that this is going to happen really slowly, steadily, each day through the daily habits and practices that we engage in. As the author Annie Dillard wrote, the way we spend our days is of course, how we spend our lives. Our lives are built on lots of small things that happen every single day. So we're gonna to start today in the series by looking at the first daily habit that Justin talks about in the book. And it's the perfect place to start because it's not just a habit. This is not just a habit, it's like a super habit. It's what people who study habits call a keystone habit. As some of you know that I spent a lot of time in the last year reading books and studying about the process of, of habits and, and how they shape and change our lives. As a person who spends a lot of my time working with people who are trying to change things about their, their life, trying to improve their life in different ways, I thought a lot about it from the theology side, from what the Bible has to say about things. But I really wanted to dive into what science was telling us, what, what neurobiologists were telling us. Uh, What neuropsychologists were telling us and and cognitive behavioral psychologists were were writing because there's so much work that's been done in this field in the last few years. And there's a lot of really helpful information that we found. Some of you guys who were on the men's men's retreat with us last fall got a big dose of that where I shared some of the things that I've been learning. But one of the things that I learned is that not all habits are created equal. Some habits are easier to form, we're more drawn to them. Unfortunately, a lot of those are the bad habits. It's, it's really easy to fall into bad habits. Uh, but some habits that, that we have um, have bigger impacts on our lives than others. And when we focus on those, they actually have an impact in other areas of our lives than, spe- than, spe- than just the specific area that we focus on within the habit. These are called keystone habits. It's a habit that has a ripple effect into other areas of our life. Now we're, we're familiar with how this works in other areas of our life, but we might not be as familiar with, with how keystone habits work in our spiritual life. So we're familiar with the process of like exercise. I mean, studies show that people who regularly exercise also eat better, they drink less alcohol, they have more energy throughout the day, and they sleep better. You probably know times in your life, where you've been in the habit of regularly exercising and you experience the benefits of those things way outside of just the area of physical well-being and being more fit. Um, And speaking of sleep, um, the one of the things that you, you do when you exercise better is you sleep better. And sleep is also a keystone habit. According to a report from Harvard Medical School, when we are sleep deprived, our focus, attention and vigilance drift, making it more difficult to receive information. Without adequate sleep and rest, overworked neurons can no longer function to coordinate information properly, and we lose our ability to access previously learned information. When you don't sleep enough, it it, it affects us cognitively in other ways. And, and I'll bet if you stop and think about your own life, there are probably things you can think about, practices and habits, maybe things that are personal to you and, and to your wiring, to, to what feeds and fuels you, that when you do those things, they actually have impact in other ways um, in your life. and That's what the first practice we're going to talk about today um, is like. It's a keystone habit in our spiritual life, and it's the habit of daily prayer. Now, before I jump in, I need to say that the challenge with prayer, one of the challenges talking about prayer as a habit or a discipline is it's something that we're all already familiar with. It's not like when I say the word prayer, you have no idea what I'm talking about. You, you. When I say prayer, you instantly have an idea of what prayer is. Um, maybe you're here today and you grew up um, going to church, or you've been following Jesus for a while, and you've been praying for a long time. I mean, you know how to pray. You know how to do it. Well, I want to challenge you to say that There's something in this for you to take a moment and consider that maybe there's something new for you to learn about prayer as a habit and the way that you go about praying that might bring some freshness and newness and impact you in ways that you couldn't anticipate. But maybe you're here today and, you know, you're not too sure what you think about God or Jesus, and we're so glad that you're here um, we always want to meet people wherever they are on their spiritual journey and help them take steps to grow. And if you're here and you hear the word prayer and you feel like there's skepticism or resistance because you don't even know if God's there. So, so why would you pray to him? And that's what prayer is, right? For you, that's what when you hear the word prayer. I just want to say that prayer, just consider that prayer might actually be for you, even if you don't yet believe in God. And one of the things that I love about this chapter in the book is how the author presents the concept of prayer. It's, it's a slightly different way of thinking about it than I've heard presented before. And what he says is, is that prayer is a way of using words to shape our day. What he acknowledges in this chapter is that words have power. And we know this, right? The, the thoughts or ideas that are formed into words that we think, whether we say them out loud, or whether they're just simply thoughts that are in our head, they have the power to shape us and to affect our actions and choices. As the great theologian, Albus Dumbledore once said, words are in my not so humble opinion, our most inexhaustible source of magic capable of inflicting injury and remedying it. So sorry, small Harry Potter nerd joke there for all of you who are Harry Potter fans, but the sentiment is very true. I love this idea that we know this, right? That words have the, cap- have the capability of both inflicting injury and remedying it. Words have great power. And words have the same power to shape our day, to shape our experiences as we go through life, which is where prayer comes in. So prayer is our opportunity at key moments to choose the words that shape our day. And this is a definition that I'm going to come back to, that prayer, it's an opportunity at key moments during our day to choose words that actually shape our day, that shape our experience. This is why prayer was a fundamental concept that Jesus taught his followers. This was something that Jesus spent time and intentionally taught all of his followers about the concept of prayer. In the book of Matthew, which is one of the four accounts that we have of Jesus's life, Matthew records his recollections of a time when Jesus intentionally pulled his disciples aside and began talking to them about some of the different practices of faith. And one of the, the, the practices that he talked about was the practice of prayer. So we're going to read some verses in the book of Matthew, chapter 6. Uh, Matt, uh, Ma- Matthew is recording this event where he's talking, uh, Jesus is talking to his disciples about these different spiritual practices, and he comes to the topic of prayer. And he says, when you pray... And let me stop right there because Jesus, does, notice Jesus doesn't say if you pray, he says when you pray. You see, for Jesus, prayer was fundamental to the life of his followers. He knew the power and the importance of prayer, and he wanted to make sure that his followers knew it as well because prayer was an opportunity to shape at key moments through words their lives. And they did that in some important ways. And he didn't just say, hey, you need to pray, you need to do it. He actually continued to teach them how to pray. Look what Jesus says. I love how this is is, uh, Eugene Peterson's transliteration of the Bible through the message. He says, and when you pray, don't turn that into a theatrical production either. All these people making a regular show out of their prayers, hoping for stardom. Do you think God sits in a box seat? Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role-play before God. Just be there as simply and as honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God, and you will begin to sense his grace. So what Jesus addresses here is something that Justin draws out in the book as well. We all have the opportunity to frame our days in light of God and in his love, or in light of ourselves and how we can get what we want or, or accomplish what we need to accomplish through our own strength and our own power. And, and Jesus in this particular p- passage at this particular moment, he's, he's addressing the religious people of his day who were eager to pray publicly and in a way that would make them seem more pious and holy. Their, their prayer wasn't focused on God at all. It was focused on themselves. And when we read this, it's easy to be critical. But before we get too critical, don't we still do the same thing? Aren't a lot of our thoughts, aren't a lot of the words that shape our day or the thoughts that we have inside ourselves about us? And those of us who pray, don't our prayers often come back to the things that we want, the things that we desire? Even if we're not doing it publicly to be seen and esteemed in the way that the the religious leaders, the religious people in Jesus' time were, Aren't our prayers often just a laundry list of things that we want from God? And Jesus addresses this propensity that we have to treat God like Santa Claus. Like when we come to prayer, we're sitting on his lap telling him all the things that we want. Making prayer primarily about us. Listen to what he says. The world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They're full of formulas and programs and advice peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father that you're dealing with. He knows better than you what you need. With a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply like this. And then Jesus goes on to give them the prayer that we just prayed earlier, which has become known as the Lord's Prayer, the our Father, because it begins, our Father who's in heaven. Jesus says, look, you're talking to God here. You know, the God, the all-seeing, all-powerful creator of the universe. There's no need to drone on about all the things that you want or you need. He knows the desires of your heart. He knows better than you what you need, what's best for you. So instead, pray simply. You don't have to go on and on. He knows before you ask. And he gives them this simple Beautiful prayer that shapes how we think about what prayer is. The Lord's Prayer, it's both a beautiful prayer in and of itself, and it's also a beautiful template for thinking about what prayer is. And in The Common Rule, the book, Justin says there's actually two kinds of prayer, and we can see both types of prayer happening here in the Lord's Prayer, in in the, the, the prayer that Jesus taught his followers. And the first type of prayer is a prayer that names a reality that is our Father who is in heaven. There's so much packed into this one line. God, we acknowledge that you are there. We can't see you, you're not here. You're in a heavenly realm, a place that we can't see, another dimension, somewhere else. But we know that you're there. And we know that you are watching us. We know that you are listening to us. Even though you're unseen to us, you are our father. You love us. We are your children. Because of your love, we are accepted. We are enough. But prayer is also an opportunity to create what can be. To create what can be. This is the place where we not only admit to God our wants and our desires, the things that we, we want to see in the world. We, we also acknowledge that the order of creation has been broken. The the order of creation in us and in our world, things are not the way that they're supposed to be. So we pray as Jesus taught us to pray, God, may your kingdom come. May your will be done here on earth. We think we know what we want, but we submit to you that you know better. God, forgive us for how we have hurt others, by what we have done, but also by what we have not done lead us in the right path, protect us from the temptation to do the wrong thing. It's all there in the Lord's Prayer, this shaping and creating what could be by stating our desires and asking for God's will to be done. So we see Jesus presents prayer as a time to push aside the distractions, to be present with God simply and honestly, and to let our focus begin to shift from ourselves towards God. And then to stand alongside God, speaking words that ground us in what's true and words that create an intention for ourselves and our world that align with God's will. And as we do that regularly, intentionally, it begins to shape and deform us in ways that overflow into other parts of our life. It's what makes this a keystone habit, is that when you begin to intentionally pray, when you begin to regularly pray, it begins to shape the way that you think about the world. These truths that you state and claim as true, you begin to believe and live into them. And while we can all benefit from prayer whenever we do it, the real benefits actually come when it becomes a habit. Just like exercise or sleep. It's not that they're not good to do anytime. Uh, doing them occasionally is good but we often don't realize the full benefit until it truly becomes a habit. That's when we begin to see it overflow into other areas of our life. This is why the first practice is daily prayer, three times a day, morning, midday, and evening. And here's why I think all three are important. Here's why I think all three important, praying at different points in the day. First, morning prayer helps set the course in the direction of our entire day. It frames our day within the truth of God's love, and it directs us away from our default of self-centeredness. Every one of us, I wake up every day a selfish, self-centered person. That is my default setting. And prayer begins to shape our minds early in the day by choosing the words that shape our thoughts and then guiding us towards that direction through the day. And here's the thing, if we don't shape our minds early in the morning, if we don't choose words or, or intentionally expose ourselves to thoughts that shape us in that way, we're still going to be shaped. We're allowing ourselves to simply be shaped by others. We're creating a different kind of prayer. Let me, let me just tell you what it means. So quick quick show of hands need to see quick show of hands participation moment. How many of you within the first 10 to 15 minutes of your day, grab your phone? Okay, I see like 80 to 90% of the hands raised. The rest of you, you're lying. You're lying. Most of us within the first few minutes of the day, grab our phone because here's why. It's unfair to call this, even call these little things phones. They're not phones. Like fo- the phone is one app and we don't even use that app that much. There's hundreds of other functions. And one of which is an alarm clock. I wake up every day to my alarm clock, which is on my phone. And that's amazing. These devices are brilliant. They're so amazing. There's so many things that they allow us to do, but here's the thing. When, when this device, which is a portal into the world is also our alarm clock, it allows me to easily turn off my alarm clock and then switch over to another function. My calendar, my email, news app, social media platform of choice. Who's with me? I mean, most of it, this is the way a lot of us start our days. And when we do that, what we're doing is we're allowing the first words and images that we see to be shaped by others. We're allowing this content to come to us and it shapes The the thoughts, the words that come into, the words we take in form thoughts and ideas in our head, and this is how we begin our day. Now, remember our, our definition for prayer, that prayer is our opportunity at key moments to choose the words that shape our day. So, we can begin to see if we don't do that ourselves, we let these messages that come to us from outside sources begin to shape the thoughts of our day. So I don't know which app you click on first, but here's how it shapes your thoughts into prayer. Maybe you open your calendar or your email first, just to get an idea of what the day is like. A full calendar, an email from an angry coworker may create the thought, the day hasn't even started and I'm overwhelmed. There's no way I'm gonna get all this work done. I don't know how I'm gonna get everything accomplished. I hate my boss so much, he's such a jerk. These become the prayers, inadvertent, Accidental, you didn't pray them, but these are the the things that you're stating that sets you off on a course for the day. Maybe you open up the news app just to see what's happening overnight, just to get updated stats on the pandemic, see how many people died overnight. You read about what President Trump tweeted overnight. You get Speaker Pelosi's take on that. And then the thoughts begin to form without you even really thinking too much about it. The world is not a safe place. People can't be trusted. Our world is divided. And I'm so angry at what insert politician here said, I can't believe that my parents voted for that person. Maybe you don't begin with news. Maybe it's just Instagram, right? Innocent, I'm just gonna go flip through the pictures just as I start to wake up. And as you check your alerts, look at the images your friends and family and the celebrities or influencers that you follow posted, thoughts just begin to form I can't believe I didn't get more likes on that picture that I posted. No one cares what I post. Look at how many likes that person got. She's such a much better mom than me. Look how, look how much better her life is than mine. I wish I had those clothes or those shoes that that person has. Then I could be cool like that person. Then people would like me. Then I'd be popular. Then I'd be enough. And again, we don't necessarily choose to think this way, but this is the way that when we allow the words to come to us early in the day, they begin to shape us and they set us on a different course. But what if you thought or said or read something different, not long, not exhaustive, not complicated, but what if you just woke up and the first thing you did was thought, God, thank you for another day of life. Thank you that I didn't do anything to wake up. You just allowed me to wake up. Spirit, I was made for your presence. May this day be one I spend with you in all that I do. What if you just prayed, Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, and you just said the Lord's Prayer. How long would that take? Not long, but how would it shape the trajectory of your day? If you did that regularly, consistently, how, if your morning started that way, how might your day be differently? different. But of course, just praying in the morning is is a great start to the day, but challenges are still going to come. Things are still going to go wrong. So what if you took a a few moments in the middle of your day to reframe your work in light of God's love? What what if you just pause for a moment, close the door, got down on your knees? Justin in the book talks about this idea of engaging our body by getting on our knees, physically doing something. Or, Or if you can't kneel, Turning your palms up, taking a posture of humility, and just saying or reading, God, you made me to participate with you in the work of bringing order to the world. Help me to order the rest of my day in love for the people you have given me to serve. Amen. How would that shape or change the rest of your day? What if you said, God, I know you love me no matter what. My worth is not dependent on whether I close this deal or not. What impact might that have? What about a simple prayer like, God, please help me to not kill my boss? I mean, I'm slightly kidding, but I mean, these slight moments of just turning our attention from ourselves and our feelings of insufficiency and our feelings of of frustration turning towards God opens up new possibilities in the middle of the day. And then... What if Netflix or email or social media didn't form our last thoughts as we closed our day? What if we intentionally chose the words that we said right before we went to sleep? Father, I was made to rest in your love. May my body rest in sleep, and may my mind rest in your love. God, as I review the events of my day, I can see where you were present. And as I think about everything that happened, as I review in my mind, The people that I encountered, the things that I did, I can see where I did or said things to hurt other people. Help me to forgive myself. Even in my failure, I believe that you love me. What if you began to choose those words at the end of your day? Imagine how your life might be different if you could take even just these few moments at the beginning, in the middle, in the end of your day, to frame your life with words that affirm the truth that you're loved, you're accepted, you're cared for by God. What what if you chose words that invited God into your day to see your work, the work that you do, whatever it is that you do, as woven into your relationship with him so that no matter what you do, he's doing it with you. So this is the first habit that we're going to practice together over the coming week. Praying three times a day. If you're reading the book, you, you know, as I mentioned, the author advocates for kneeling as prayer. It's a great way of making the moment, um, marking the moment uh, by kneeling, by doing something physical. But if that doesn't work for you, maybe turn your palms up, you know, upward just in a posture of humility. Do whatever works for you. Make it simple. And if I can make a suggestion for those of you, for all of us who raised our hands and said, we, we grab our smartphone in the, in the, in the early in the morning, that let that be an ally. You know, these phones have become such a huge part of our life. Use it to your advantage. If you're having a hard time remembering to pray, then just tell Siri or Alexa or Google or whoever your machine overlord, overlord of choice is, ask them to set a reminder for you to pray at a time in the morning that works for you. When I you. And, hey, my Alexa just went off. That was hilarious. I didn't even plan for that. When should I remind you? What should I remind you? You should remind me in the morning to pray. And what if we ask them to actually remind us to do these when things? And to take it a step further, I joke about the phone thing, but if you're gonna download, uh, if you're gonna grab your phone early in the morning, so download an app so that, so that when you grab your phone first thing in the morning, There's a reminder waiting for you, and you can just click on an app that guides you through prayer. Experts call this habit stacking. It's connecting a new habit, something new that you're trying to do, to something that's old. It's really effective at making a habit stick. So you're gonna grab your phone in the morning, you know that, so give yourself something else to do. Rather than clicking on your email or social media, download an app. There's tons of them out there, but I'll tell you the one that I use is called Daily Prayer. Just looks like a little little sunrise there. You just click on it and it's beautiful. It's a beautiful little uh, app that just gives you a simple prayer to read, gives you some scripture to read, the Lord's Prayer, and you can be done in a couple of moments. Download that and just click on that as the first thing um, that you start your day with. And a special bonus for that app, some guys down at a church in Inglewood, Colorado, uh, they wrote it and and built it and it's 100% free. So whichever, whichever one works for you, just search daily prayer and you can find hundreds of apps out there. But whatever works for you, take some time. Try that for this week. Pause for prayer three times a day. And keep it simple. Don't get discouraged if you miss one prayer during the day. If you forget, I have a, I have a terrible time with midday prayer. That's the hardest one for me. I seem to always miss that or I'm in the middle of something and I think I'm going to get back to it and I don't. But don't get discouraged. Just keep at it even if you miss a whole day, just keep going. What you'll begin to find over time is that as you say these prayers, something gets into you. As you begin to say these words, something begins to shift and to change. And as the author of the book says, we say our prayers until our prayers begin to say us. So let's do that together this week. And as we close up um, our time together, there's no better way to do uh, that than to to close together in prayer. So join me as we pray, um, as we begin this new habit together. Let's pray. Almighty God, um, we're grateful that you are available to us, that through prayer, uh, you, the God of the universe, um, is always there, always listening, um, always available, morning, midday, evening, even in the middle of the night, all we have to do is to simply turn our attention towards you and you're there listening. God, grant us the focus and the perseverance uh, to be able to engage in the regular practice of prayer. We believe that we are shaped and changed as we engage regularly in this practice, that as we meet with you, you change us. And so I pray for everyone, for myself included, that as we go out into this week, we would make a regular practice of making time for you in the morning, in the middle of our day, in the evening, and that you would meet us there in a unique way and help us to begin uh, to live this way, to live the life of love that you call us to live. And we pray all of these things through the Son and by the Spirit. Amen.